stumbling on happiness, talks about the following story. He talks about a pair of twins. Their names are Lori and Reba. They're much like twins that you've met before. You know, for the most part, they get along with one another. Every now and then they get into a fight and they bicker. But overall, they're happy twins um, finishing each other's sentences. The typical things that twins do. There's one thing very unique about Lori and Reba. You see, Lori and Reba are conjoined twins. They're Siamese twins joined at the head. What's remarkable is that if you were to ask, and people have asked Lori and Reba, do you want to go and have a surgery, a procedure to separate you? They have repeatedly refused such an operation. They don't want to be separated. The truth of the matter is, Study after study has proven and has shown and has demonstrated that conjoined twins, the overwhelming majority of them, don't want to be separated. They want to remain as Siamese twins. The other remarkable thing is if you were to gauge, and if you gauge Siamese twins, their levels of happiness as they compare to the rest of the society, they seem to be happy people. Lori and Reba, they'll tell you that they're very happy people. Dan Gilbert and many others have used Lori and Reba as a launching point to ask a fundamental question. What is happiness? What makes us happy? If you think about it, if you were to ask me or if you ask most people in society, if you were to ask, do you think Lori and Reba are happy people? If you'd ask me, I would say, no, of course not. They live a horrible life, a very difficult and challenging life. How in the world can Lori and Reba be happy people? Yet, they self-report as being happy, and indeed they also will self-report as not wanting to go under a procedure which you and me would say, of course that would make you happier. And this becomes a launching point for social psychologists and others to try to define what is happiness. Experts, thinkers, philosophers have been struggling for ages to try to figure out what is happiness. And they'll use examples like Lori and Reba to point out it's not as simple as you think. So, being a philosopher and thinker, I'm going to offer what I believe is a very important insight into happiness. If you take note, the story of Sarah, of Sarah, her life the Torah tells us that when she dies, that you, these were the years, these were the days of the life of Sarah. And Rashi points out something remarkable. He says, Kulon Shavim Latova. The life of Sarah, our matriarch, they were Kulam Shavim Latova. They were all equal for good. They were all happy. Rashi's telling us, the Torah is telling us, you want to know who lived a happy life? Look at the life of Sarah. She was a happy person. For years, I had read that Rashi and never thought twice about it. Till a couple years ago, I was thinking about it, and it dawned on me a really powerful insight. If you study the life of Sarah, if you would ask me, it wasn't a happy life. She had a very difficult life. She had a life full of challenges. If you study her, her life story, she, her, one of the things that she strove for and she was hoping for her whole life was to have children. She was barren for the majority of her life. Who was her husband? Avraham, Abraham. They were ostracized, ridiculed. They were pariahs in their community. They had to leave home. They were banished. 
They were outsiders. These were people for the majority of their lives, they were not accepted. They would end up traveling, leaving their hometown, leaving their country. They would go to the land of Israel. And what happened in the land of Israel? They'd find themselves in famine, all sorts of challenges. Sarah was repeatedly abducted. She was kidnapped. If you want to tell me that Sarah had happy points in her life, she had the typical ups and downs. So that makes sense. You know, she had some real challenges, some real lows in her life. But if you were to tell me, yeah, but she also had some highs. She had some points in her life which were truly were happy. That makes sense to me. But Rashi is telling us something much deeper. Rashi tells us, Kulan Shavin Latova. They were all equal in their goodness. All of her years were happy. How could that be? How could it be that Sarah, who lived such a traumatic, difficult, and painful life, a life filled with challenge and lots and lots of suffering, how can we, how can the Torah tell us, Kulan Shavin Latova, all of Sarah's years, they were all equal in their happiness and, in for, and for being good? Years ago, I want to share a personal story. I was studying in yeshiva, and I was a single guy back then, and it was Super Bowl Sunday. And the way the yeshiva schedule was, is that there was a scheduled program. The yeshiva had what was called their Seder, their learning program, their study session, was smack in the middle of the Super Bowl. And the rabbi of the yeshiva gathered us all together and he sat us down for a meeting. And it's a meeting that changed my life. He sat us down and he said, look, gentlemen, I know that tonight is the Super Bowl. And I want to explain something to you very fundamental. You see, in life, there are two separate and distinct things that most people blur and assume that they're synonymous, but in reality, they're separate. He said there's something called happiness and there's something called fun. Happiness and fun. Always remember that happiness is not fun and fun is not happiness. Those are two separate things. Smoking pot, being on crack, heroin, it might be fun, but it's not going to make you happy. And things that are happy, they might not always be the things in life that are fun. You need both in your life. There are moments and places and times in our lives that we need to have fun. But if we're seeking a deeper idea of happiness, always remember that fun doesn't necessarily lead you to that place of happiness. And he explained, he said, look, gentlemen, if you're enrolled in this yeshiva, that's what you believe is going to lead you to a life of fulfillment, of contentment. This is the path that you think will lead you towards happiness. Recognize it might not be fun at all time. Watching the Super Bowl, that's a lot of fun. But you have to ask yourself, is that going to lead you to happiness? And it was a very, very powerful idea. The end of the story goes is that for that study session, the entire yeshiva, I don't think there was a single person that was absent from that session. We all missed the, the Super Bowl. The end of the story goes, we had a friend who recorded the Super Bowl and we all took a solemn oath, as it were, that if you found out the score of the game, you cannot tell anyone. And we all watched the game after the study session later in the night and we watched the Super Bowl. It was a great Super Bowl. And uh, it was, you know, so the story has a happy ending. But the lesson is such a powerful lesson. What makes you happy might not be fun, and what's fun might not be ha make you happy. And if you 
think about it, I believe what the true definition of happiness and what will really make us happiness is something that's found in the work of Rabbi Moshe Chaim Lutzato. Rabbi Lutzato writing in the early 1700s in his classic work on Jewish philosophy, The Messias, The Charm of the Path of the Just. And he writes something remarkable. He tells us, and I'll read it inside, he tells us, Zos hi asimcha ha'amitis. This is the true happiness. She'el libo shaladam ales. The person will be really, have an inner contentment, an inner joy. Al shehu zoche lavod lifnei adon yisparach she'en kamohu. That you have the opportunity and the merit to serve before your creator, your master who should be blessed. And there's no one else in the world that's like God. And you have the opportunity to engage in his Torah and, his, and in his mitzvahs. This is the true shlemos, fulfillment, and the eternal preciousness. Rabbi Lutzato is telling us something... Rabbi Lutzato is telling us something absolutely remarkable. He says, you want to know what happiness is? Happiness is an internal feeling of purpose. There's meaning in my life. I have a purpose, and there's something about my life that's meaningful. There's a time and place for fun, but fun doesn't always lead to inner fulfillment and inner purpose. Sarah had purpose in her life. She had meaning in her life. She had a mission of spirituality, of Torah growth, of mitzvah observance, of getting close to God. And that gave her happiness. If you were to stop Sarah on the street while she's, in middle, while she's being abducted, and you'd ask her, is this fun? Sarah would say, absolutely not. This is miserable. I don't want to be abducted. I don't want to be kidnapped. If you would ask her, but are you happy? She would say yes. Because even though the situation and the moment was incredibly difficult, a remarkable challenge that we should never know from, but if you would ask Sarah, do you have purpose, do you have meaning in your life? She would say yes. And even though the situation that I'm in is awful and I'm not enjoying it and it's not fun, I have an inner contentment, an inner peace because I've got meaning and purpose in my life. That gave her happiness. Sarah's life indeed was cool on Shavin Latova. Her entire life was good. Even during the dark moments, even though even during the difficult times in her life, they were cool on Shavin Latova. They were all happy because she had that inner purpose. I want to ask you a question. I want to give you two alternatives. Your life, imagine in the following theoretical situation. I can give you two options. Options A, options B, there are no other options in your life. You have, the, you have to make the following decision. Option A looks like this. You're going to earn a wonderful salary for the rest of your life. Every year, $5 million salary. And here's your job. It's not very hard. All you have to do is push a crank. And it's not very hard. It's you know very easy work, not labor intensive. But I'm going to let you know on the front end. And you're going to have to do this job for 35 years. I want you to know while you push that crank, the crank is attach, attached to a shaft. And that shaft pulls nothing. And for the next 35 years, you're going to pull this, push this crank. It's not hard work. It's not physically difficult. But you're going to be pulling a crank and pushing a crank from 9 to 5 every single day, and it's going to accomplish nothing. But I'll pay you well. $5 million a year. That's option A. Option B is you're going to have a, a really difficult job. You're going to be earning, you know, 
$50,000 a year, you're gonna struggle to get by, you're gonna be a social worker, you're gonna be helping other people, but you're gonna have a really difficult boss, your coworkers are gonna be smelly and have bad body odor and be really obnoxious, your computer system is gonna crash every day and the people over at IT are gonna drive you nuts and you're gonna have a really difficult you know, time at work. It's gonna be annoying and you're gonna be underpaid, undervalued and it's gonna be a really hard nine to five. And by the way, it's only a $50,000 salary and you're gonna to have to do that for the next 35 years. Those are your choices. Option A, option B, there are no other choices. What would you choose? What's gonna make you happy? Are you looking for fun or are you looking for purpose and meaning in your life?